Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Do you want to learn how to manage your own investments? Are you ready to stop paying investment management fees and start building wealth? The DIY Investing Podcast is dedicated to providing you with the knowledge, skills, and resources you need to be a better investor. Learn how to make investments through the use of fundamental analysis, mental models, and business management insights. Now, here's your host, value investing expert, Trey Henninger. Hello, and welcome to episode 39 of the DIY Investing Podcast. My name is Trey Henniger, and I'm your host. In today's episode, I want to discuss the importance of being clear on what your expectations are for the future performance of a business. Those expectations will determine how you handle fluctuations in stock price when company news is released. Before I get started, I want to make a short request. If you haven't already, please consider giving this podcast a rating and review. Simply hit pause or at the end of this podcast, take out your podcast player, whether that's the Apple Podcast app or Spotify, etc. I would really appreciate it. You can go in, leave a one-sentence review or a couple sentences, and then give me a five-star review. I would really appreciate it. Your ratings and reviews help me to grow the podcast audience and help more people find the podcast. And that's just basically how the algorithms work. I need a certain number of ratings and reviews to really start growing the audience. So thank you for your support. I really appreciate it. Now let's dive in. Today's podcast topic is market expectations versus your expectations. And so what I'm talking about here is it's kind of a subset of investing is known as expectations investing. And I'm not specifically focused on this, but I think the lessons that you learn from expectations investing can be applied no matter what type of investing you're involved in. And as value investors, this is the sort of thing we want to be aware of. Because investing involves evaluating both current and future business performance. And unfortunately, we don't know what's going to take place in the future. We can only make estimates. We can only make guesses. And so basically, whether you're reviewing a stock, whether you're buying a stock, or whether you're holding onto a stock that you've already bought, when news comes out, you have to evaluate the performance of the business against your expectations. Because when you're going through this process, you're going to establish certain expectations. And this is going to be growth rates. This is going to be return on invested capital. Um, How much money do you think the company is going to earn? When are they going to earn it? How will management deploy the capital? Are they going to return it to you in the form of dividends? Are they going to return it to you in the form of buybacks? Will they do both? Or will instead they invest all the money that they earn back into the business to help it grow even faster? 
these are the sorts of factors that go into what your expectations are. And you're never going to be perfect. You're never going to be accurate in all of your expectations. But you really need to understand what they are because those factors drive the return of the stock and ultimately the results of your investment performance. And what you need to know is what are you expecting from them individually and as a whole. So then when news comes out, when earnings are released, when the company says they're acquiring another business, when the company says they're taking on debt, or when the company says they're cutting their dividend, you need to know how to respond to these actions in advance. Because when it occurs, if you haven't planned for it in advance, you can run into an issue where you might make a rash or emotional decision. So you very much need to understand what your expectations are for the future of a business. But you also need to understand that those expectations are not necessarily going to be the same expectations that the market has. Your expectations are going to differ from that future in terms of that future business performance. And so this can go in a couple of ways. If the market expects really positive earnings and they don't get it, it's likely that the stock price will decline. And if the market expects low earnings or declining earnings, but then there's the earnings actually grow, you could see the stock price actually rise. But it's not just important what the market expects. So you're not just, it's not just that the market has some expectations. So let's say the market expects earnings growth of 5%. What's important is not the fact that the market expects earnings to grow 5%. But what matters is the difference between market expectations and what actually happens and the difference between market expectations and your expectations. Because it's possible for a business to perform exactly as you expect it to Therefore, they're doing very much how you want them to do in order to achieve your target return. But at the same time, the business might underperform market expectations. So you could see the business performing on all cylinders, doing well, but you could also see the stock price decline at the same time. That is not a concern for your investment thesis as long as your expectations are continuing to be met. You might have different investment strategy. You might have a different investment timeline. You might have different investment return needs. So if you need a different return percentage or if you plan to own the stock for a longer period of time, then it's quite possible that news that causes stock prices to decline has no effect at all on how you would value the stock. Or it could even increase the value of the stock in your eyes while at the same time decreasing the value of the stock in the market size. This balance is important. It's important to understand that not only will businesses not perform as you expect them to all the time, sometimes they're going to perform better than you can expect and sometimes they're going to perform worse than you expect. But that your expectations aren't going to match the market. So you might see earnings be released that seem perfectly fine, but then you'll see a stock price decline. And you have to get over the fact that you might not know why that decline is occurring because to you, it looks like everything's good. And sometimes that means that things aren't actually good and you have, you've done your work incorrectly, but sometimes it means that 
the market is just interested in something else than you are and that you're able to get your return your way and you can let the market deal with itself in the short term because in the short term the market's basically a voting machine and in the long term it's a weighing machine so the this is the mr market philosophy that the market can be kind of crazy at times and it won't necessarily reflect what you think it should and that's okay because it's important to understand that the market's not always right and that the market's looking through a different lens than you are. So, if we take that all together and we say, okay, how can we use this now? What can we learn from that? Well, the key part with expectations investing is to understand that the greatest returns are really when two things are true. Number one, your expectations of future business performance differ from the market expectations. And number two, that you are correct. So it doesn't matter if your expectations are different than the markets, but the market's actually right and you're wrong. Because in that case, a lot of problems can arise. But If your expectations are different than the markets and you're right, then eventually the market will come around to seeing your point of view and change the value of a stock accordingly. This is the fundamental underlying thesis of value investing, that by doing fundamental analysis, by researching a company, by investigating their earnings, by investigating the quality of the management, understanding risk, capital allocation, the competitive marketplace, that you will be able to come up with different expectations of future and performance than the market. Now, it's not saying that you always will. Sometimes you're going to have the same expectations in the market, and that's fine. But the fundamental thesis behind value investing is that sometimes your expectations will be different. And then those times represent opportunity, because if you're correct... When the market changes its mind, it will have to reprice stocks accordingly. For instance, if you believe a company is worth 12 times earnings uh, because you think the, the company is stable and its earnings are likely to grow a very small amount in the future, but the market thinks the earnings are going to decline in the future, then this is an opportunity because the market might price the stock at six times earnings while you think it's worth 12 times earnings. Well, if you're correct and the earnings actually grow, then you could see this price-to-earnings ratio move from 6 to 12 and double over time. And that doubling effect over a very long period of time will still allow you to perform outperform the market because now you're going to have the growth in price-to-earnings at the same time you have the company's capital return and at the same time that the company is growing its earnings itself. So you have three different factors that are leading to your investment returns. And that first one, the fact that the market is changing the price-to-earnings ratio is going to give you a significant boost in your valuation performance. And this means that by having been accurate and by having been correct in your expectations and those expectations being different, you're getting this bonus performance that the normal market return wouldn't give you. And this is important because it's where the value premium is able to be earned. You're able to earn out performance from value investing because of this, that the market is sometimes wrong and then that 
there are times where you can actually find this. Now, it's not every time, but when you can, that's where the greatest returns are often made. But the key point is we cannot understate the second point that you have to be correct. Being contrarian and being different from the market is not a useful strategy on its own because a lot of times the market is right. You look at companies like Amazon, you look at companies like um, Netflix, and they're all projecting high amounts of growth into the future. Um, that these companies are very successful, they have a strong market position, and that they're going to continue to grow for years and years and years and years and years at a time. Well, when I look at Amazon, I think Amazon's going to continue to grow for years and years and years at a time. I think it's probably a good, I I know it's a good business. Uh, They have an extremely beneficial market position. But the market also thinks so. So I'm not, I don't have any contrarian point of view from the market. Instead, I have to say, okay, we have the same point of view as the market and the market's valuing this stock um, at, let's say, 100 times earnings. I don't know what it is today, but I do know recently it's been trading at prices like 50, 100, 200 times earnings because the expectation of future growth is so high. Well, that doesn't help me. What would help me is if I said, I think Amazon's going to grow a very large amount for a long period of time, but the stock's trading at 10 times earnings, and the market doesn't think it's going to grow like that. So that means that if I buy it at 10 times earnings, and then the market agrees with me and moves it to 50 times earnings, well, now I've made five times my money or more when you take into account the growth. And so that's the sort of thing you're looking for, whereas you can say, this company is a strong business, this company has quality management, and they're going to grow for a long period of time, but the market doesn't agree. And that's really what you're looking for. So it's possible while you're listening to this that you might be thinking, okay, well, that sounds great, but that's easier said than done. And I agree. And I think there are a few problems that you need to be aware of that you have to work to overcome. And one of those is that the Mr. Market is vague. You know, the market can sometimes be unclear on what exactly it wants the business to do or what standard management is expected to perform to in order to get a positive rating. So you might see an analyst report and they're saying they're expecting earnings at $5.80 for the quarter. And if earnings come in at $5.81, then that's great. But if they came in at $5.79, then that's a bad because they missed the earnings expectation. Well, that's an explicit expectation, but not every expectation is clear like that. Some expectations are like, well, we, we would rather not management acquire a business in the short term, or we want management to do a lot of acquisitions. And then management makes an acquisition and then they don't like the price or they don't like the uh, the business actually chosen. And so then the market reacts negatively when a lot of people were talking about the need for acquisitions. And so this vagueness, the, the fact that market expectations are unclear, and they're not only unclear on an individual note, like a an single analyst report, but they're unclear because there are too many market into, uh, participants. So I'm a member in the market, you're a member in the market if you're investing, Um, anyone buying a stock or an index fund or a mutual fund is a member in the market, and unless you're explicitly telling people what your opinion is about the 
what you want a stock to do, like you're publishing it on a blog or I'm talking about it in this podcast, then no one knows about it. But it's even worse than that because like even if I publish all of my expectations for a company that I own, you know, let's say, let's pretend we're talking about like Disney. You know, if I publish all my expectations about how I think Disney should perform, well, I'm just one person. And there are tens of thousands of people that own Disney stock, either indirectly or directly. Um, potentially millions when you get into indirect. And it's impossible to to filter through all of those different opinions to understand what market's expectations are for the performance of Disney's business. And so you never really know what the market is expecting until you see the response in the market. So until you see news come out and there's either a positive or a negative response, you don't really know what the expectations were. And even when you see the response, so let's say the stock price declines 10% after a news release or after an earnings report, you don't know what exactly the response was for. You don't know whether it was because of temporary write-down. You don't know whether it was because of changes in future earnings expectations. You don't know whether it was because someone decided they wanted to go on a vacation and they sold some of their shares, or you don't know if it's because the, the they expect a recession coming on. All of these things are possibilities, but you don't know. It's unclear. So it can be a problem if you use stock price changes in your investment process because you don't know what's causing them. The second key piece here is that Mr. Market's fickle. And that expectations can change very quickly. And these can also be as quickly as an analyst report or price target revision. So I think price targets are horrendous in the idea that it's impossible to accurately and reliably predict the stock price of any company in the world 12 months from now. But you have hundreds of people, maybe thousands of people in the Wall Street business that put out analyst reports and say, I believe Apple's going to trade at $200 a share 12 months from now. That's my 12-month type price target. Then they give it a buy, sell, outperform, underperform rating associated with that or neutral. What does that mean? There, I mean, there's a huge difference between saying you believe a company has an intrinsic value of $200 per share and that's based upon earning a 10% return over a five-year period, 10-year period, or 50-year period, and saying that you think a company should trade at $200 a share in 12 months. No matter what you think the intrinsic value of a stock is, you cannot make a prediction on when, if ever, the stock price will actually meet that price target. It could take a year. It could take a month. It could take a decade. You have no idea how long it's going to take for a company to be priced according to its intrinsic value. So price targets don't make any sense, but they do it all the time. And there's a lot of times where I've seen a report come out and it says analyst at you know, ABC Investing Consulting says that Apple is no longer worth $200 a share. They're being downgraded to $190 per share. And then the stock price declines 1% or 2% or 3% or 4% because it's been downgraded by an analyst. Well, why? The price target was 
stupid at the beginning and it's stupid at the end. So there's no information that you're gaining from that. Just like if the earnings reports come out and you're slightly over below. If, if you expect $5 in earnings and the earnings come in at $4.96, I'd say that's pretty darn accurate in terms of the precision at which those earnings were able to be predicted. There's basically no statistical difference between $4.96 per share and $5 per share in terms of the earnings report. There's a huge amount of fluctuation that could take place just for statistical noise reasons. But people react all the time that, oh, it's an, they missed earnings. They're down three cents from their expectations. Who cares? You know, but you see this all the time that it's, it's as if a, a one or two cent difference in the earnings that someone reports for a quarter changes the long-term cash flows over the next hundred years that you're going to be able to take out of a stock. And it's just not true. So this is a reason why you really need to understand what your expectations are and what the error range is for those because you cannot rely on the market to tell you if a business is performing well. You need to be able to read an analyst report or not an analyst report, you need to be able to read an earnings report put out by a company, their annual earnings, and look at it, read the, the statements by management, read the financial statements, and determine for yourself whether this is a company that's worth buying. If you can't do that, you probably should not be buying individual stocks. You should be buying index funds or other investments or, or outsourcing your investments in some way to someone that has that capability. Because otherwise, you have to realize you're competing against people that do know how to do this. Your competition is other investors in the marketplace. And those are include, for the most part, professional investors. And so you need to understand these basics. You need to understand how to evaluate it on your own. But most importantly, you need to understand what your expectations are. If you own a stock, let's say you're buying Apple today, you need to know what you think Apple's going to perform over the next five years or 10 years and kind of how you think they're going to do that. Are you expecting stable iPhones? Are you expecting declining iPhone sales? Are you expecting growing iPhone sales? Um, is your expectation that you're going to own it for a year or are you going to own it for the rest of your life? If you plan to own it for a year, what would make you sell? Are you going to sell when the stock reaches a certain price? Are you going to sell if the stock declines a certain amount? Or are you only going to sell if earnings go down when you expect them to go up? You need to define this in advance for yourself and you need to understand what you're looking at in terms of the company's performance because the company will not perform exactly as you expect them to. If you expect Apple to earn their earnings from $5 a share to $6 per share over the next five years, then that's important information. But if earnings come out that, you know, next year that the shares, it's $4.90, is that outside of your expectations? Or do you need to wait a little longer? Because maybe you wait for the year after that, and instead of $4.90, now you're now up to $5.20. So now you're increasing. And then in year three, maybe you're at $5.60. So are you on you on track or not? And you need to understand that there's going to be fluctuations. If you're estimating a quarter perform quarterly performance of a dollar per share, you should be probably pretty reasonably okay with 
anything from 90 cents to a dollar and 10 cents and maybe wider without batting an eye at all. And then you need to recognize that earnings per share can be easily manipulated. So earnings per share is not a very good tool to use on a quarter by quarter basis. It can be really helpful over long periods of time when you're tracking year over year over year performances. And as you say, let's say three year average um, or a five year average of earnings per share, then that can be useful information. But if a quarter comes out and you're expecting 30 cents per share and it's in at 20 cents per share, well, why? Did they take a one-time charge? Are they doing some extra investment? It might be that you know, you're know you 10 cents per share low this month, this quarter, but next quarter you're 10 cents per share outperformance. And those things balance out. Business is complicated. Business requires... Or, and predicting a complicated business performance is basically impossible. The idea of quarterly performance mattering nearly at all is mind-boggling. Basically, the use of a quarterly earnings report is primarily for Wall Street. I would be perfectly happening only receiving a single annual earnings report every year from each of my companies. I don't need to know anything more than how a company is doing besides checking in once per year. Spend a few hours, read the annual report, check in that my assumptions are on track, and I'm okay. A lot of times, I completely ignore the quarterly earnings for the companies that I own. Basically, a lot of what I want to do is I like to read what they say on the quarterly earnings calls if they have them, because sometimes that can be helpful updating information. They can tell you about changes in in strategy or changes in um, capital investment programs, and you can pick up some useful information on those calls. But the actual earnings performance, it's so choppy that you can't use it for predictions. And this leads me into my third point about Mr. Market. And Mr. Market is short term. And it is rare that you see a five or a 10-year price target put out by an analyst. If you were to ask an analyst, do you expect Disney to be more profitable 10 years from now than today? Almost any analyst, I believe, is probably going to tell you, yes, I expect Disney to be more profitable 10 years from now than today. But if you ask them about, you know, so what they're saying with that is Disney can be a safe investment over a 10-year time frame. But if you ask them, is Disney going to have higher or lower earnings in the next three months? Now, they might be willing to give you an estimation, But is that useful? I don't think so. I mean, where are they coming up with that? They don't have a crystal ball. Um, But people use this all the time that an analyst is trying to predict quarter by quarter performance. And they're focused on a quarterly performance metric because that's how they're judged. Investment professionals are often judged on quarterly or monthly or yearly performance. But you don't have to do that. You can win with a longer time horizon. Your time horizon can be 5 years, 10 years, 25 years, or 50 years. You can think much more long-term than professional investors. And again, that's one of your greatest competitive advantages. So you need to remember that when the stock price on your favorite stock drops 10 or 20% in a day because of a bad earnings report, maybe that affects your investment thesis, but maybe it doesn't. And you need to understand what your investment thesis is so you can accurately make that decision. Which leads me to confidence. You need to have conviction 
in your investments. You need to be confident and specific about what your expectations are because without conviction, even your best ideas are unlikely to make you money. Unless you manage to buy a stock at the absolute lowest point on its stock chart, there's going to be a time in your investment where you own stocks and they show up red on your brokerage account because they are a lower price than what you paid for. And most people are going to be challenged with their convictions at that moment. If they look and they see they're down 10%, they're down 20%, it's easy to question yourself and say, am I really right? Do I know what I'm doing? Am I making the right decision? The market will challenge your conviction. But without conviction, even your best ideas couldn't can't help you because there will be a time for those ideas where you're going to be challenged and you need to know what your expectations are. And if your expectations are being met by the business performance, then you're fine. The concern comes when your expectations are not being met. And that's when you need to question whether you were wrong and you need to and that the market was actually right. But if your expectations are being met, then trust it. Because if you aren't able to trust yourself in your investing, then you're not skilled enough or confident enough in your investments to manage your own money. This is important because you can't control the market. You cannot control the stock price. You can only control your own actions. You can only control your buy and sell decisions. For example, I was recently challenged by a company I own. A recent earnings release met my expectations. The company was doing what I thought they were doing. But the market disagreed, and the stock price dropped 40% in a day. Now, it didn't end down 40% for the day, but there was a period in the day where the stock price dropped 40% as a gut reaction to to the earnings report. I wasn't affected by this. Now, mentally, it's challenging. Mentally, it's like, am I doing things right? Am I understanding this company? But you review the earnings report, and you know, I took some time. I think it's never good to make a, a an instant decision, and you read it over, and, you're, and, and everything that the company was doing met my expectations. There was some noise. It was slightly worse than predicted. But they also said they expected to be slightly better than they predicted later in the year and that the year as a whole is going to average out to meet expectations. And this is the problem from quarterly changes. Quarter by quarter, most businesses fluctuate in performance. Some quarters are better than others, but it's easier to predict longer time horizons. So not only did I not sell the stock when the stock price dropped a large amount, But because I knew my expectations and I knew that business was performing according to my expectations, I was offered an opportunity to buy even more shares than I owned before at a huge discount to the price that I was buying at earlier. But without confidence and without conviction in my idea, that would not have been possible. So in summary... Investing expectations drive short-term changes in the market. However, your personal expectations of management and business performance will drive the strength of your conviction in a company. Don't let Mr. Market dictate your investing decisions. Mr. Market's price offers should only ever be seen as an opportunity and not a necessity to act. 
So thank you for listening to this episode. The full show notes for this episode, including my outline for today's podcast, are available at diyinvesting.org slash episode 39. And finally, this is a listener-supported podcast. If you have gained value from today's content, please consider supporting the show financially as a patron. You can become a patron at diyinvesting.org slash p-a-t-r-o-n. Your financial support is what allows me to continue creating this free investment content without any advertisements. How much is this show worth to you? Were you, did you learn something from this show? Is there something that you can gain value from? Is that worth a dollar to you? Consider passing on that dollar to me or passing on a fraction of what the show is worth to you. My goal with this show is to provide very useful, helpful educational material so that you can learn and grow as an investor. And I believe this education is valuable, and I hope you do too, because if it's not, you don't need to be wasting your time listening to something that's not valuable. So please consider becoming a patron, because your patronage is what allows me to continue making this show. Thank you for listening, and until next time, stop paying fees, start building wealth. Thank you for listening to the DIY Investing Podcast. Please visit our website and subscribe to our email list at DIYinvesting.org for guides, videos, and resources to help make you a better investor. The DIY Investing Podcast is presented for general informational and entertainment purposes only. I have not considered your specific situation or risk profile, and I have not provided investment advice. The information presented on the DIY Investing Podcast should not be construed as investment advice. The views and opinions expressed on the DIY Investing Podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect those of the show's host or sponsors. DIY Investing, its producers, sponsors, and host, Trey Henniger, shall not be liable for losses resulting from investment decisions based upon information or viewpoints presented on the DIY Investing Podcast.